0: What's going on, guys? My Take Radio episode 350, powered by Rageworks, broadcasting live Thursday, April 20th, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our call in number 347-324-3541. Again, that call in number 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, it is where I give you my take on MMA, pro wrestling, and gaming and entertainment our mma and wrestling shows air every wednesday at 11 p.m eastern 8 p.m pacific and thursday nights we shift focus to gaming and entertainment same time 11 p.m eastern 8 p.m pacific you can watch listen and chat live by heading over to mtrlive.com you can also listen to the audio feed on mtrlive.com as well just click audio Make sure to mute the other players to avoid echo and you can listen to an audio feed plus watch the video feed and participate in the show chat. You can also listen via your mobile device live by heading to Mixler M-I-X-L-R on either iOS or Android devices. Download the app, punch in My Take Radio and save it plus Black is the New Black as well and you'll be able to listen to the shows live that way. Last but not least, you can also use our call-in number, not hit option one, to enter the caller queue, and you will be able to participate in the show that way as well. Archived episodes of this show will be released in podcast format on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Video archives will be released on our YouTube channel, Official Rageworks. Punch that up in YouTube, subscribe if you haven't already to get access to episodes of My Take Radio, event coverage, product reviews, unboxings, uh, video game stuff, you name it. Everything is going on the official Rageworks channel. Before we jump into tonight's show, of course, got to get some housekeeping out of the way. First and foremost, I'd like to thank everyone who's been with us from episode 1 to episode 350, plus those that have joined later on in our You know, illustrious three hundred and fifty episodes. I'm, you know, honored, privileged and grateful that so many of you have been with us from the beginning. And those of you that joined us later on have continued to demonstrate incredible support both online, offline and via social media. Again, I'm humbled by, you know, the outpouring of support, the many people that have congratulated us on three hundred and fifty episodes. I mean, it's a big milestone You know, I thought I was going to come in here and do some over-the-top shit, but I figured let's stick to what we do best, and that is giving you raw, uncensored commentary on mixed martial arts, pro wrestling, gaming, and entertainment. I was originally going to give you guys all four topics tonight, but I didn't feel like giving you guys a three-hour show for episode 350. We wanted to keep it tight and give you guys the best stuff that we could Uh, both from an MMA and a wrestling perspective. Again, you know, I'm very grateful and humbled by the outpouring of support by so many of you over the 350 episodes that we have done Uh, because of that. Obviously we want to continue giving you guys the best content possible, both on our site via audio and of course via video as well. So again, I just want to say thank you to not only everybody that has supported us, but also to my team, Uh, who have been uh, incredibly supportive both on-air, off-air, and behind-the-scenes, giving me uh, just great content both for the site and for the show, and just busting their ass to get Rageworks out there and really grow their own respective shows as well. Uh, Shout-out to Jay Santee uh, and, of course, Ben and Taylor from Black Black is the New Black, uh, Captain Quark from Buried, and, of course, Slick and the rest of the Rageworks and MTR team who have, you know, again— Proven themselves time and time again, uh, both on air and off. Again, I'm just uh, very grateful for all the people that have jumped on this crazy, crazy journey. And I'm really pumped to give you guys episode 350. But before again, I get into that, a couple of things I did want to get out of the way. This episode will be the last episode of MTR. Not forever, just for a little bit. Going to take some time off and focus on RageWorks. And growing that, and making some enhancements and improvements on the site, and also shifting focus to providing you guys some more video content, more product reviews, uh, more streaming. i um, my intention is on the nights where we normally air shows, I'm going to try and do some streaming um, at 11 p.m. Uh, different games, classics, maybe some new stuff. We're gonna we're gonna switch it up uh, depending on where I am and. You know, and what in what room I am in to do some of that stuff. But we're going to be doing that to kind of fill the void of MTR not being on air again. This isn't me killing MTR or pulling the plug or any of that. Just need to recharge, need to shift focus, and grow everything, not just the show. Which at this juncture, you know, we have. So many other great shows now on the Rageworks Network. Like I said, Black is the New Black, The Buried Show, uh, the regular season Sports Cast, Call Me When It's Over, which is going to be debuting soon. Uh, Right now it's part of TRSS Overtime. But again, just a a great assortment of hosts and talent to fill the void while I'm out. Obviously, from a wrestling perspective, The Buried Show and TRSS are going to hold you down. From a gaming and entertainment perspective, um, TRSS is definitely going to step up. I think that Jay is going to really run with the ball and give you guys a little bit of everything like he usually does. And of course, Ben and Taylor are going to also give you their fix of entertainment and quote unquote nerd shit. So you guys are in good hands. And as always, if you guys got any questions, concerns, you can hit me up, mtrhost at mytakeradio.com or rich at rageworks.net. You can also use the contact us page, of course, on Rageworks as well. Uh, right now, I am looking at probably taking off the entire month of May with MTR coming back in June. That is that is more or less the plan right now. That can always change depending on what's going on and how I choose to address certain things, but we're definitely shooting to be back on air in June. Again, I'm going to be giving you guys other content, uh, just, the, just not the show, obviously, but Nonetheless, did want to put that out there first and foremost. So this will be the last show uh, for the foreseeable future in that regard. But again, uh, definitely continue to download all the other shows, get acquainted with all the other hosts and check out their offerings because those guys, they really do kick ass and I'm incredibly proud and honored to be working with all of them. Also, I did want to mention that the My Take Radio YouTube channel will be taken offline more than likely On May 1st, as many of you that are currently subscribed to official Rageworks have noticed, I started migrating some videos over and putting up some content from that channel on the Rageworks channel so that come May 1st or maybe even that first week in May, depending on the workload, that channel will be phased out. Again, make sure if you haven't already, uh, subscribe to official Rageworks on YouTube. Other thing I wanted to mention is this past Saturday... Excuse me. I had the honor and privilege of being at KieranCon 2016, put on by Ace House and the students and faculty of Pace University. Uh, We did two things during that convention. Uh, First, we did a live My Take Radio episode with uh, some of the students in attendance, and they participated, and we're going to be releasing that on iTunes. Uh, probably within the next day or so, and I believe we're probably going to put out the video as well. In addition to that, we also moderated a Marvel and DC panel. Uh, myself and Dandy from Royal Flush Magazine did a, uh, you know, we had a really good time doing that. We've been sharing photos and videos from the event over the last couple of days. I'm sure you may have seen some video from the Triforce Quartet that really just knocked it out of the park during their set, at Karen Khan uh, again, I was incredibly honored to be part of that event. As usual, uh, just passing it on to the future of of this business. You know the, the the students that are on the come up that are embracing new media, creating new content. These are the content creators that are going to provide stuff for our kids and our kids' kids uh, in the future. So definitely want to try and pay that forward as much as possible. And I'm going to try and do more of that. I think during the time off, I'm going to try and you know, pass on a lot of my skills, uh, teach a lot of other people about podcasting and creating content, running a site, covering events ethically, uh, you know, just doing things the right way. And, um, you know, hopefully that will also lead to some new additions to Rageworks as well. That's one of the things I want to focus on. Also, I am probably working on doing something for Rageworks two-year anniversary, maybe do something locally, and bring some people in. Maybe we'll partner up with uh, Ace House from Pace and try and do something. I know I definitely want to do something with them for Brawling for Boobies, and a couple of things have been casually discussed and mentioned, and I want to probably try and do some stuff uh, with them. I'm going to actually bring that up to them in the coming weeks as well. Lastly, uh, we're going to be doing some modifications and changes on Rageworks.net. We are currently in process of making some changes and simplifying some things. Uh, I think we're going to you know, simplify our reviews a little bit more and try and create some more consistent content. I know Slick has been holding it down on the games front, uh, giving you guys the latest and greatest happenings in gaming, both from trailers, reviews, news items, uh, dev diaries, you name it. He's been holding it down. So uh, definitely uh, keep an eye out on Slick's social media accounts for that stuff as well as RageWorks. All right, so what's on deck for tonight? Obviously, the big news story. Conor McGregor's retirement uh, is going to be discussed. We're going to get into this past weekend's UFC on Fox event. We're going to talk about the other happenings in MMA. Plus, we're going to get into this past week's Raw. We're going to talk about the possibility of the Bullet Club feuding with the Shield. And, you know, that's something that's kind of picked up a lot of steam over the last couple of days. Uh, We're going to get into, obviously, the wrestling news of the week as well. Plus, we will take your calls. And as always, you can participate in the chat on mtrlive.com. I know some of you guys are watching the video feed via YouTube Live, uh, Twitch, Vaughn Live, and some of the other platforms that we are uh, cross-streaming to. And I appreciate it. But I unfortunately cannot interact with you guys in that chat room. So if you would like... Uh, head over to mtrlive.com, join the chat there, and I will try and interact with you guys as best as possible. I know a lot of you guys are in the chat. I see a lot of familiar faces. Shout out to the Fight Nerd, who I see in there holding it down. Uh, make sure to check out his documentary. I'm going to try and put a link to that in the show notes. I know that he's doing some film festivals and really putting in a lot of work. He was also at the MMA, uh, the signing for Mixed Martial Arts here in New York State. Uh, at Madison Square Garden. I saw some pictures. Nice work, Matt. I definitely see you. Uh, Shout out to Val also in the chat as well. All right. With that said, let's not waste any more time on housekeeping. Let's jump into this week's MMA. All right. So I want to start with the UFC card from this past weekend. Um, Really solid fights on that card. I'm going to go through a couple of fights that I particularly enjoyed um and not obviously go through the whole card, but I did want to talk about the bantamweight fight between Manville Gambirian taking on John Dotson. Of course, the magician who I said is just an incredible, incredible fighter in the bantamweight division, Uh, really came in there and did what he does best, and that is exhibit incredible knockout power by dispatching Manny Gambirian via TKO in the first round. Again, just John Dotson is a an amazing combination of speed and power, never disappoints, and he definitely showcased that in his outing against Manny Gamburian. Uh, the other fight I do want to talk about, and this fight really tripped me out, was Raquel Pennington and Betch Uh Many of you know that Betch Kohea faced uh, Ronda Rousey and got dispatched in memorable fashion. She was taking on Raquel Pennington, ranked number 11. A uh, very solid fight between both women. I thought that Betch Kohea was going to be more aggressive Uh, more vicious going in, but turns out Raquel Pennington was just the better fighter from bell to bell. The ladies did go the distance, and Raquel Pennington took the fight via split decision. A lot of people that watched this fight were saying that that fight could have gone either way, but I think Raquel Pennington got the better of many exchanges, especially in the later rounds. I want to say that she uh, definitely stepped it up in rounds two and three. She got that momentum going in and dispatched uh, Ronda Rousey's Former challenger. Now, again, this doesn't put Raquel Pennington in any sort of title contention, but it definitely showcased some incredible skills. Now, I did want to talk about uh, Chiesa and Benil Dariush's fight only because a lot of people are looking at this fight, and you know, Michael Chiesa won the Ultimate Fighter, ranked number fourteenth in the lightweight division, and people were kind of, you know, they they've kind of written off Michael Chiesa. I don't know if it's because he's not getting enough fights not being booked adequately, but at the end of the day, he actually impresses when he gets out there and has a a solid opponent. Uh, Dariush, of course, uh, definitely was no stranger to mixing it up, and he did. Uh, There were a lot of good moments, especially in the first round where Dariush was getting a lot of really good exchanges, uh, working the leg kicks, working the clinch game. Um, Not to say that Chiesa wasn't prepared for that, but it ended up, Where the fight went to the ground, Uh, Dariush went to shoot for a double leg, and when he tried to get Chiesa up against the fence, um, you know Chiesa secured a body lock takedown. At that point, uh, he transitioned to the rear naked choke, and um, even though Dariush was get trying to get to his feet, Chiesa ended up locking in the choke again, and um, he couldn't break the grip, and Dariush tapped out. Uh, via rear naked choke in the second round. Solid work for Chiesa. Again, a guy that is incredibly underrated uh, coming out of the Ultimate Fighter, and he definitely impressed in his outing. I definitely like that fight. The other fight, Cub swanson hakron DS. I expected this fight to go very, very one-sided. Cub Swanson, when he's dialed in, he comes in there and he's a beast. Um, he won via unanimous decision not being able to dispatch Hakran Diaz, but that just shows that Diaz is just you know a, a warrior. He took he took some serious shots uh, throughout the fight, especially in the later part. Uh, Swanson working an incredibly diverse amount of striking. He even went for a wheel kick at one point in the third round. A uh, really good way to kick off the main card. I thoroughly enjoyed that fight. Cub Swanson definitely trying to get himself noticed. That's for sure. Now, Khabib Nurmagomedov was supposed to take on. Uh, Originally, Tony Ferguson, I believe Tony Ferguson dropped out and Daryl Horcher ended up coming in, uh, taking the fight on short notice at a catch weight of 160 pounds for that fight. Uh, Khabib definitely was incredibly just overpowering from bell to bell. He looked really good, um, ended up dispatching Horcher in the second round with punches uh, via TKO. And, you know, Khabib came off an injury. Uh, a guy that many people are fans of. I, you know, I'm I'm a fan of his, but I just feel that he's been injured and been pulled from so many cards that it's hard to invest yourself into him as a fighter. Uh, Like I said, he's exciting when he goes out there, he delivers the goods, but hopefully he can keep himself healthy and get himself into some title contention. Of course, uh, Rafael De Sanjos wants to uh, fight Khabib, and there's been some, you know, some shit talking that's been happening already. But whether that fight happens or not remains to be seen. Our co-main event of the evening was the tiny tornado. Tessia Torres taking on Rose Namajunas. Now, funny thing about this fight is that Tessia Torres won their first outing. Uh, Rose was trying to even it up and move, move up and get into some sort of a groove to get a title opportunity. And the thing about this fight is that Tessia Torres was incredibly aggressive Throughout the fight, I do believe that Rose Namajunas utilized uh, her her you know her limbs and the distance to really pick her apart. But Tessia Torres pressed forward pretty much the majority of the fight. That fight could have honestly gone either way. I do feel that Rose dialed it in in round three, but round two could have gone either way. Torres definitely was uh, looking really crisp and solid in that first round. Some really good striking uh, from both ladies. I'm shocked that it didn't go to the ground considering how incredibly skilled Rose is, but Tessia Torres was not, you know, she definitely had a never say die attitude going into that fight. And it showed, uh, from round one, all the way to round three. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, the takedowns definitely helped Rose secure the victory. I just feel that Torres, uh, from a striking perspective really had all the tools, but, you know, in the judge's eye, securing takedowns is a bigger—it's a bigger thing for them, and it really helps uh, sway uh, decisions into the favor of those that are getting takedowns on a regular basis. Again, the fight was incredibly close; it would have gone either way, but for Rose, I think this was an opportunity, obviously, to uh, get revenge for the loss that she suffered originally, and really try to put herself into a title opportunity. I think that she's probably not going to get. Um, a title opportunity just yet. She probably will have to get one more fight in before being considered. But nonetheless, it was definitely a solid outing by both ladies and a really, really good co main event. Now, of course the main event of the evening, Rashad Evans, Glover to Rashad ranked number seven, even though he's been on the shelf for quite some time, taking on an incre- a very dangerous Glover to And sure enough, uh, that danger, uh reared its ugly head very quickly as Tashera pretty much uh secured a nasty, nasty, nasty left to put Rashad Evans out. And Rashad was out cold. Uh, knockout in the first round, a minute and forty eight in. Um, you know, it's it's interesting because Rashad was dispatched so quickly and in such a con- in such convincing fashion. Obviously uh casual armchair quarterbacks are going to jump and say Rashad should retire, but I I mean, you know, that's up to him. I mean, Rashad's also been fighting since the first season of the Ultimate Fighter, and in my opinion, uh, you know, he's earned a little bit, you know, he's earned some respect. So, I mean, he got caught, he got put out decisively. Uh, Teixeira went on to call out Anthony Rumble Johnson. Obviously, that's a fight that probably has contendership uh, ramifications if it does go down, but Rashad Evans got put out, no you know, no disrespect to Rashad, Rashad's been in the game a long time, uh, Teixeira was just, you know, he was the better man that night, as to whether Rashad will retire or not remains to be seen, but Teixeira looked really good, man, he's definitely trying to make a statement at 205, and considering how open that division is right now, uh, I think a fight with Rumble Johnson is what fans are going to look forward to the most and I think the winner of that fight is going to get an opportunity against Jones or DC in the future <clears throat> what do we got in the chat Slick doing his business I see uh, uh some back and forth between everybody very cool overall I gotta say that the UFC on Fox card was surprisingly good I missed a lot of the early fights I ended up having to watch them on tape delay and then they were fine you know no, nothing nothing bad about them but I just felt that the The main card really, really got the ball rolling. And um, again, I felt bad for Rashad. Uh, Just a a really tough loss for him. And, you know, the thing that gets me about it most is the fact that people sit there and they automatically write him off. I mean, he was injured. He was coming back. I think this was a very, very, um, I don't want to say this was the right fight to give Rashad, but I think that coming off the layoff that he did and giving him somebody like Glover Teixeira was a recipe for disaster. You could have given him somebody, uh, you know, a little lower down the rung just to allow him to, uh, you know, get his wits about him, get himself reacclimated to the cage. I think part of the reason that he performed the way he did might've been ring rust, but you know what ring rust doesn't affect your chin and he did get put to sleep, but still I, you know, I think Rashad Evans deserves one, another opportunity before people write him off. And I would like to see it. I mean, there's plenty of guys that he could fight, that can definitely give him a challenge and can help him uh, really decide if he's going to continue competing or if he's going to just go into a full-time analyst position. Again, a uh, solid outing from UFC on Fox 19 onwards now to this weekend's event with OSP and John Jones, which of course many people are going to be watching very, very closely. All right. So I want to get into some of the news for of the week. Uh, first and foremost, Dan Henderson, who many of you know was scheduled to, to, to face Leoto Machida, now has a brand new opponent for UFC 199. MMA Junkie actually reported that Dan Henderson will be facing Hector Lombard, which is a, a crazy fight. I think both guys, you know, incredible knockout power between them. I think that that alone is going to make for a stellar, stellar fight. For me personally, you know, I would like to see Hendo get the uh get the win this time around but it, it can go it can go either way i think for me i just want to see it because you got two legitimate knockout artists stepping into the cage also announced um jessica Penny's is going to be taking on jessica andrade and that's going down june 4th in los angeles as many of you know as i said uh leo machida had some banned substances in his system and that resulted in hendo being pulled off This past weekend's UFC event and will now be facing Hector Lombard. A bit of crazy news on the legal side going on in MMA with Diego Brandao, a UFC fighter who was arrested for actually beating up a strip club employee and brandishing a gun. Um, According to news reports that have come out, Diego Brandao got into a fight with the DJ. Uh, he was try. they tried to remove him from the club. He tried to force his way back in, obviously, uh, physically ended up coming back with a gun, pointing it at a patron and an employee before hitting the employee with a weapon. Uh, he was charged with aggravated battery and three counts of aggravated assault. Uh, brand that currently under temporary suspension from the NSAC due to testing positive for marijuana metabolites from UFC's. Uh, January event, which was UFC 195. Uh, it's it's just crazy. The guy, this isn't this isn't the type of stuff you want to be involved with as an organization. And even though the UFC hasn't gone on record acknowledging it right now, I'm sure that there's going to be some serious ramifications. Uh, Brandau ended up posting a fifteen thousand dollar bond, and I'm sure that there's going to be uh, a lot of a lot more to this story as it develops, but I know that the UFC is going to want to get in front of this and distance themselves as much as possible. Now, one thing I do got to say, and let's see what we got here in the chat. Uh, UFC was much more interesting than the Spence than Spence stopping Alighieri uh, fight nerd also adds Henderson versus Lombard a decking in the, uh, a decade in the making and a real compelling fight. Uh, also added that Machida drank the wrong person's pee. <laughs> <laughs> well played sir, well played. I I got to say that, you know, the UFC just has been catching L's left and right. This Diego Brandao situation uh is incredibly troublesome obviously because the guy already on the ropes due to the suspension now pulling a gun on a patron, not the kind of shit that the UFC wants to be involved in and like I said, the ramifications may probably lead to him being released. If um, you know these legal troubles escalate and he is found guilty but we're going to keep monitoring that and I'll keep you guys posted if anything changes looks like Kimbo Slice is back in the Bellator cage facing James Thompson at Bellator 158 uh, even though Kimbo tested positive for Nandrolone following his fight with Dada 5000 uh, it seems that he only will receive he only received a 90 day suspension For the infraction. Of course uh, main eventing that card. Josh Koscheck and Paul Semtex Daly. For those of you that don't remember. Koscheck and Daly have a very memorable history. uh, To the point where Daly ended up being fired from the UFC. For punching Koscheck in the face after their fight. Uh, Definitely a memorable moment for sure. These guys are going to get their grudge match. In the Bellator cage at Bellator 158. Uh, Kimbo Slice, obviously James Thompson is going to be an interesting fight for a multitude of reasons, but I think that the bigger fight is going to be Koscheck and Daly, just because there's legitimate bad blood. If you guys have been following the build up to this fight, you'll have seen just just really really aggressive shit talking from both guys. Uh, Daly going as far as telling him that he, you know, I'm going to retire you, old man. Uh, they had to be separated a couple of times during the uh, the the, po- the pre fight. Uh, build up you know all the press that was there and these guys had to be separated on multiple occasions Scott Coker just being in the middle at all times because these guys legitimately hate each other it's gonna make for an exciting fight and who knows maybe this is gonna be Paul Daly's redemption by dispatching Josh Koscheck in convincing fashion now does that mean that we will see Paul Daly in the UFC I mean Dana White pretty much went on record and said that we would never see him ever again. But this is also the same Dana White that said that we would never see women fighting in the Octagon. So take that as you will. I think that, you know, Koscheck departing the UFC might have stung the organization a bit. And as for Bellator, I think they're going to leverage the bad blood and really do something major uh, with this card. Like I said, it either may put Paul Daly on the map in epic fashion or it may lead to Josh Koscheck pretty much forced into retirement due to a very, very severe ass kicking. We'll see what happens. Again, Bellator 158 is going to be a card that we definitely can't be missed July 16th at the O2 Arena in London. Of course, the card will air on Spike TV. <laughs> <laughs> Slick, Dana White is good for putting his foot in his mouth. Yes, he is. And we're going to get into that in a moment. Um, speaking of Dana White, he has been, uh, doing a lot of talking lately. He was talking about Ronda Rousey's possible return to the cage for the UFC card here in New York in November. Uh, right now it looks like Misha Tate is probably going to get one or two more fights before that happens, but Ronda will be coming back more than likely on the New York card to face the champ at that time, which could be Misha Tate or could be anyone else for that matter. But yes, Ronda is coming back and she is coming back for a title fight, not for the rematch with Holly Holm, which raises a lot of eyebrows across the board, but I'd expect nothing less when it comes to Ronda anyway, just because Dana White is going to try and get the most juice out of the orange, so to speak, that is Ronda Rousey. So bringing her back, putting her in a title fight in New York city, uh, you know, in November is definitely a no brainer. And I think it also allows her to get the quote unquote time she needs outside of the cage beforehand. But Misha Tate is keeping herself busy. Obviously, she's got the fight at UFC 200, depending on how clean, uh, you know, how unscathed she comes out of that fight. She may move on to possibly fight once more, or they may save it and let her fight Ronda in November we shall see what happens and we'll be watching that with much interest. I think that the fight with Amanda Nunes at UFC 200 is incredibly compelling and that fight could go either way as i said uh, during the previous shows it can, you know, we can get a, a brand new champion right on the spot. Not to take anything away from Misha Tate, but i just feel that the wealth of competition outside of Ronda is a little bit more mixed. And there's a lot of different strengths between these ladies. Uh, Holly Holm, obviously, with the striking. Um, you know, in Amanda Nunes' case, she's just incredibly well-rounded. Misha with the wrestling. It's it's a very wide-open division, even though people don't want to say that. Plus, there is the Chris Cyborg factor, which we know she is fighting uh, at UFC 198 in Brazil. And that is going to raise its own set of questions as well. Who knows? We may have Misha Tate fight Cyborg And the winner fight Ronda, and that that's going to create an interesting scenario as well. But this is also taking into account if Cyborg can even make weight. So we will see what happens. That's for damn sure. Now, of course, the big news story I want to talk about: Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor turned the mixed martial arts world on their head this week uh, with a tweet that he put out, pretty much saying retiring young. Thanks for the cheese catches later now a lot of people thought including yours truly that it was a troll conor mcgregor's account got hacked so many things came out of it but as the day progressed uh you know ariel helwani and other sources including uh, mcgregor's coaches were saying that the tweet was legit and that mcgregor was quote unquote retiring now the way i see it you know there were a lot of factors as soon as the news story broke which Kept me from, you know, writing a piece or being incredibly vocal on social media about it. Uh, first thing is, and a lot of people acknowledge this, including myself. Um, you know, there's the possibility that McGregor was, you know, a little, a little, a little battered psychologically after watching uh, the guy that his training partner fought die as a result of injury sustained in that fight. Obviously, that was definitely a factor to consider, uh, just because the fight and the outcome obviously affected mcgregor greatly since a it was his training partner out of his camp and b he was sitting cage side when the fight was stopped finally and of course as i said the the connor's training partner's opponent uh died from injuries shortly after now the thing that gets me is you know that's definitely a factor to consider but as the day progressed you know it became less and less about that and more and more about money and even now when when i went before i went on air a lot of people were reaching out to me and telling me like yo you know this mcgregor situation is looking more and more like he wanted to get more money he wanted to negotiate and he figured that he would use uh retiring as his way out as a way to blo- you know uh, you know make the ufc cater to his demands uh, a couple of things obviously dana white is in full spin doctor mode uh, saying that it's not about money, it's about McGregor not wanting to do press, and as a result of that, he was pulled from UFC 200. Let me let me say that Dana White is more than likely full of shit. But let me let me say that outright. And the reason I say that is because Conor McGregor didn't want to do press, and that's because and you pulled him from the card. If that's the case, then the Diaz brothers should have been fired ages ago because they never want to do fucking press. So to to use that as your quote unquote excuse uh, when when talking to the media is completely fucking stupid. Now here's here's what I see, especially as the story has developed a- a- across the board. The UFC gave Conor McGregor a lot of leeway, gave him a lot of freedom. They gave him a lot of money. They you know they would pay for his suites. They would upgrade him, he would hang out with the Fertitas. he would hang out with Dana White, he was doing shit that no other fighters were doing, in the sense that he had a different relationship with the bosses than the other fighters did, it was, you know, he was pretty much friends with them, like I said, going to the clubs with them, uh, hanging out in, in their suites, etc, 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 and as Conor McGregor, his, as his star became brighter, he started becoming more and more of a factor instead of being an employee and when i say this i say this because think about it the ufc employs conor mcgregor to go out there and fight for the fans conor mcgregor as he as his star rose and he became more and more famous pretty much dictated everything that occurred when it came to his fight career Which, again, you know, as as an employee of the UFC, you get the fights that are given to you, not the fights that you choose. Now we all know that the fight with Nate Diaz, obviously, Nate took the fight on short notice to save the card, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and it bit him in the ass, and he ended up being defeated in convincing fashion. Now the thing about it is that you know Conor McGregor didn't need to get a rematch with Nate Diaz. What he needed to do was defend his title, which he won by defeating Jose Aldo. Now, when you look at UFC 200, and I've said this before, you're looking at a marquee card like UFC 100. And you know, you're looking at a card that is supposed to be legendary. And even though, It looked good on paper. Nobody genuinely wanted to see a rematch between Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. I'm sorry, but they didn't. What we wanted to see was Conor McGregor maybe defend that 145 strap against Jose Aldo, Frankie Edgar, whatever the case may be. We did not want to see another fight between Conor and Nate Diaz, but Conor wanted to do it. And the organization, of course, kowtowed and gave the man what he wanted. And, and and that right there is where I feel a problem was being created. Because it wasn't, oh, I want to fight Nate at UFC 200. Nah, dude. Your job is to defend this belt. That's what you're doing. Nate will fight whoever. And that's it. When you look at UFC 200, you'd want to see all title fights, all fights that are just amazing and legendary. You don't want to see a guy whose ego was bruised try and go in there and avenge that bruising. Nobody wants to see that. And again, the UFC have created a monster with Conor McGregor, you know, and now they want to put the genie back in the bottle after the genie pretty much has made himself bigger than the organization. And that's the problem. Even though McGregor probably feels that he is the UFC, I hate to tell you, but the UFC created you and Six months from now, a year from now, if you decide not to fight or if the UFC severs ties with you, you'll be forgotten. Because again, you haven't done, yeah, you've done some amazing things for the Irish MMA community and for the Irish MMA fan base, but you haven't done anything that's long lasting and legendary. And this is coming from a, a guy who likes Conor McGregor. Listen, when you talk about Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture, Ken Shamrock, Tito Ortiz, Hoyce Gracie, Dan Henderson, um, you know, Shogun, Vanderlay, Rampage. These are guys that have been pioneers in the sport that have been part of some of the most legendary fights in history. Do not misunderstand. Conor McGregor's done some amazing things, but he hasn't done something of the magnitude that gives him the power that he thinks he has. And that's the thing. You want to go in there. You want to renegotiate. You want to do what you got to do. That's fine but you're not going to get over on the UFC because you are coming off a loss and you still have a title that you're supposed to defend. And at the end of the day, you're an employee and they're your bosses. Simple as that. Now, my issue is this, and obviously I'll address something else that happened in a moment. Conor McGregor announced his retirement because many people are saying that he wanted more money. Dana White is saying that he didn't want more money. He just didn't want to be part of promoting uh, UFC 200 because he's training and he felt that the media would interfere with his training. Conor McGregor is about the media. He is about that life. He is about interviews. He is about being flashy. He is about sound bites. He is about being brash and cocky and selling a fight. To all of a sudden decide, hey, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to sell this flagship marquee card. There's something more afoot, and I'm sure in the coming days we will find that out. Now, a lot of people were looking at the fact that Conor McGregor shortly after that announcement started following Triple H, Stephanie McMahon, Shane McMahon, and Becky Lynch. And Becky Lynch has extended numerous pieces of social media communication in Conor McGregor, extended uh, many pieces of social media communication in Connor McGregor's direction Now, is this a power play by WWE? Is it just coincidence? Who knows? But it also makes an interesting case that WWE is trying to scoop up a guy that, you know, is still at the top of the game, you know, at the top of the food chain in MMA. Again, I think WWE is also doing that for the sake of relevancy and staying out there and adding a little fuel to the proverbial fire. But I got to say this. Dana White's spin on this entire situation is transparent bullshit that we all know is not really what's going on. Conor McGregor probably is hitting him up for more money for whatever reason. And the organization now is realizing that, hey, you don't tell us what to do. We tell you what to do. And because of that, they are willing to sacrifice UFC 200 and get him off the card. Here's how how you got to play this out. You need to understand that you have an incredible talent pool of fighters. It's not just Conor McGregor. It wasn't, and it isn't. But, unfortunately, like I said, you created this monster, this juggernaut. You hitched your wagon to him, as is the case always with UFC management. And now it is biting you in the ass. Simple as that. Let's go to the chat room, see what we got. Uh, Dana White said it wasn't about the cash, LOL. (laughs) I don't believe that Conor thrives on press press runs from Val, Uh, the fight nerd McGregor also backed out being in the upcoming X movie because he wanted to focus on the Diaz fight for UFC 200, so there may be something there since McGregor must see more money fighting than he sees in a film career. To which Val adds word, because Conor isn't getting more than a couple of hundred grand for a movie. The Fight Nerd adds, and I quote, Conor might be an example of what will happen when MMA fighters start making boxing money on a regular basis. To which Slick adds, UFC 200 should be the UFC version of Night of Champions. I agree, 110%. Uh, here's here's what you got to do. And to the fight nerd's point about MMA fighters making uh, boxing money, here's the thing. MMA fighters making boxing money is fine, but at the end of the day, there needs to be a level of control that needs to be set, and the UFC needs to establish that standard. And what I'm saying is, if you don't see the Fertitas taking uh Demetrius Johnson out to the strip club or out to the parties or out to the hotels or giving him a private suite. And Demetrius Johnson is a marquee name and a champion in your sport. Hell, Demetrius Johnson did not even know that the next ultimate fighter with flyweight is going to crown his number one contender. That guy ended up finding out that news story in a fucking Twitch stream from people in the chat room in Twitch that told him that his next opponent was going to be picked from an ultimate fighter season. What kind of shit is that? And this is what I'm talking about. The UFC handpicks all these guys that they feel are their guys. You don't see Vince McMahon taking out Roman Reigns to dinner. Everybody gets treated the same. And yeah, there might be some preferential treatment behind the scenes, but in terms of public personas and... Everybody is the same. And that's a big fucking problem. As soon as I saw Conor McGregor at the clubs with Dana White and the Fertittas or, yo, they put me in this suite or they did this or they did that. I said to myself, this guy's going to get super gassed on himself. He's going to think he is bigger than the organization. And when the time comes, that dog is going to bite you. And sure enough, that's what it did. And now the UFC is calling him on his bluff, and Conor McGregor is shooting himself in the foot. He really is. It's like, dude, you want more money? Take this fight with Nate Diaz, get the big-ass payday, and then after the card is over, be like, hey, Conor, we want you to fight at at MSG in November. Well, that's going to cost more fucking money. And that's it. You think that Conor McGregor is going to be remembered A year from now, if he legitimately retires because he stuck it to the organization, nobody's going to fucking remember that. I was having a conversation with Jimbo Slice off air earlier today. And I said, if you want to do something memorable, then retire from the sport because you didn't the UFC didn't want to create a fighters union and do something like that. Do something that's legendary, that's memorable, that changes the landscape of the sport. Don't take your ball and go home because you didn't get a couple of more shillings in your cup. Nobody's going to look at that favorably. And yeah, there's a couple of fighters that say, good, you know, we respect Conor for his decision. But the bulk of the people are looking at it as this is a guy who was in front of the press, in front of cameras, was a big name in the sport, and decided because he didn't get what he wanted that he was going to take his ball and go home. And that is the wrong way to do shit. You are an employee. Your job is you get paid, you fight, you put motherfuckers to sleep, you fight the amount of fights on your contract, then you renegotiate. And if you don't get what you want, you leave. That's it. But you don't just turn around and say, oh, I'm going to retire and fuck up the card. Because guess what? If the UFC signed Fedor tomorrow and said that he is debuting at UFC 200, you know what would happen to Conor McGregor's big chest, you know, his big puffy chest right now? He would he would be deflated like this. Why? Because the focus would shift to something bigger and something more noteworthy. You know, he thinks that by doing what he's doing, he's sticking it to the organization. And all he's doing is shooting himself in the foot. You're not you're not you're not doing anything memorable. You're not doing anything for the for the fighters or for the sport. You're doing what you're doing for you. And that's the thing. People are looking at it and they're like, yeah, but you know, the UFC did this and the UFC did that. The UFC is still his employer and he is an employee, period. You know, the UFC is going to continue to cake off and make money and put on fights without Conor McGregor because there's plenty of guys that are going to come up and take that money. You don't think that the UFC is going to grab another Irish guy, promote the shit out of him, and create another Conor McGregor? That's what the sport does. Simple as that. The same way that WWE took Roman Reigns from being a guy that said one word in a Shield promo to being their champion like this is the same way that the UFC is going to take Paddy O'Malley from Dublin and turn him into the next Conor McGregor. Wake the fuck up, people. This is the shit that happens. This is the sport. This is how it goes. The UFC and and WWE, the only thing that separates them are predicted outcomes versus real outcomes. And even that on some days is a little questionable. But the business tactics, the ethics, and the bullshit that go on both on air and off air are fucking the same. The same. Simple as that. Slick adds that WWE still does business better than the UFC. Oh, I agree 100%. The WWE's a better a better business entity. But at the end of the day, you know, WWE has done their fair share of, of, you know, shady money tactics too. But again, everybody's getting paid there. You know, because when the WWE Network was announced, a lot of people were concerned about making money on house shows, making money at WrestleMania. And obviously WWE made up for that. But it's definitely not what they were making before. There's definitely been some concessions. But again, those concessions were made because there was a greater good at stake. The network would allow them to have new programming, new ways to get wrestlers on television, including NXT and other programs. It was revolutionizing a medium. UFC doesn't even fucking try to give you Fight Pass as a subscription. Because at the end of the day, they're an organization chock full of money that nickel and dimes their fans and their fighters. That's it. The problem is that a guy like Conor McGregor, thinking that he's being a difference maker for himself, is doing nothing but sabotaging his own career. And I'm telling you, if if George St. Pierre announced that he's fighting at the next UFC pay-per-view, if they signed Fedor... If, you know, they did a super card with Bellator, anything noteworthy, the Conor McGregor situation would be an afterthought. But it's only a buzzword now because it's the only thing interesting that's going on. Simple as that, you know, I just the way the way I I think that this is going to pan out is a the UFC is going to really put the screws to Conor and force him to fight just because he is under contract or. The guy's going to retire. They're going to strip him of his belt, and that will be the end of the Conor McGregor train for now. And yes, Conor McGregor can go and fight in Bellator, fight in RFA, uh, start his own promotion. But he he's gonna or, he's he's already burned his bridge in the UFC. They're not gonna forget that. Now, as for you know the WWE aspirations and you know people's hopes being being high. The WWE is putting their their forks in the fire because they hope to A pick up some steam and get some news and B you never know. Maybe they would sign him. Maybe they would send him to NXT. Maybe he does go into professional wrestling. Who knows? But at the end of the day, everybody's going to forget nobody's going to forget that Conor McGregor tried to 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 play chicken with the UFC and he had to pull off the road because he lost. That's it. No, and, you know, he's playing chicken with them, thinking, "Oh, they're going to they're going to move, they're going to move, they're going to move." Nope. They're not going to move because at the end of the day, their pockets are deeper than yours and you need them more than they need you. Simple as that. Anyway, I did want to talk about this other bit of allegations that have been floating around. As many of you know, a couple of weeks back we were talking about a situation involving BJ Penn which was resolved by the UFC and now all of a sudden Um, there's a new legal situation that came up with BJ Penn that has a lot of people talking and I'm sure that the UFC did not want this getting out. Um, according to what's been said, he is being investigated for an alleged sexual assault. MMA junkie is reporting that the police in Hilo, Hawaii are looking into a sexual assault report that they received from Delaware County, Ohio Sheriff's Department where the alleged victim lives. Um, according to what's been said, the victim is the the boyfriend of, of an ex-employee of Penn's who claims that Penn uh, well excuse me boyfriend uh, the victim is a girlfriend of an ex-employee of BJ Penns who claims that Penn assaulted her on august 31st 2015. according to the report, they say that BJ Penn was knocking on the young lady's window saying if she could if he could sleep in the office because he was drunk uh, she ended up bringing him a glass of water caught the guy you know cranking one off she went to throw him out he ended up following her and tried to sexually assault her and um you know he ended up leaving and as a result obviously these allegations were uh put in play now from what they're saying the Hilo police are going to be investigating this situation and uh we're going to see what the deal is now One of the things that's been coming out is that BJ Penn issued a statement in February denying the claims and saying that the boyfriend was trying to extort him. Nonetheless, you know, sexual assault allegations are serious fucking business. And again, BJ Penn's allegations of wrongdoing were originally uh, he was originally exonerated by the UFC because they felt that there wasn't enough evidence, but it looks now like this situation may be escalation overall. Uh, definitely going to keep it locked to RageWorks to see of any additional developments. And of course on social media as well. Uh, definitely not a good look again. Like I said before the UFC not faring well in that regard, uh, definitely a cause for concern. If this turned, if these allegations turn out to be true, uh, you know, it's it's definitely jail time for sure. If Again, if these allegations are true and just a big stain on the legacy of BJ Penn, uh, we're going to be keeping an eye on that, like I said, and if anything new comes out, uh, we'll share it on our fan page or we'll share it on the site, obviously, because we won't be doing any shows in the meantime. But again, uh, pretty, pretty serious situation that we will be monitoring. All right. So. I want to wrap things up with some fight predictions from this weekend's UFC 197 card. Uh, I'm going to start with the prelims on Fox Sports One. Actually, you know what? I'll start with the fight press, the fight pass prelims, uh, which have three fights: Efren Escudero and Kevin Lee, uh, Mar- Marcos Rogério de Lima taking on Clint Hester, and Walt Harris taking on Cody East. Uh, between Escudero and Kevin Lee. I'm going to go with Escudero only because you, you can't, you can't keep this guy down every time that he's been in the, in the UFC. Then he leaves the UFC, gets a couple of wins together, comes back. Um, definitely a guy that, that knows how to dial it in when he's on the big, on the big stage. And I like Escudero. I think he's uh He's one of those guys that if he strung a couple of wins together and the UFC marketed him correctly for the Latino audience, they would definitely have themselves a bona fide star. Uh, Marcos Rogério de Lima and Clint Hester. Uh, I haven't seen de Lima fight, so it's tough to pick this fight, but Hester definitely goes out there and gives it one hundred and ten percent when he's in the cage. Uh, it, I'm, I'm going to kind of go coin flip here and I'm going to go Clint Hester only because I'm not too familiar with DeLima's uh, fights. Same thing with Walt Harris and Cody East, which is your main event for your fight pass prelims. I am going coin flip on this and going with Cody East. Now for the prelims on Fox sports one, you got uh, Glacio Franca taking on James Vick, uh, Carlos Sparza, Juliana Lima, Danny Roberts, Dominic Steele, and Sergio Pettis takes on uh, Chris Calaitis for the main event on the prelims. Um, just going to go through those picks really quick. Uh, Vic as the winner in the Galacio Franca-James-Vic fight. Uh, Carla Sparza makes her return to the cage, taking on Juliana Lima. I'm going to go with Cookie Monster on this one, uh, definitely uh, in a return to form. I think she's going to use her wrestling, be extra aggressive, and I think she's she's definitely hungry to get back in there and get her belt back, so uh, Carlos Barz is my pick there. Uh, Dominique Steele and Danny Roberts, I'm probably going to go with Danny Roberts on this one, and for Pettis and Colettis, I'm going to go with Sergio Pettis. Now, on the main card, you got Andre Feely, Yara Rodriguez, Robert Riddick.er uh, Robert Whittaker, excuse me, taking on Rafael Sapo Natal, Edson Barboza, and Anthony Pettis. Uh, Your co-main is Demetrius Johnson, Henry Cejudo, and your main event is John Jones, Ovin St. Pru for the uh, interim light heavyweight title, which we've already said is just a fucking paperweight. Uh, In any case, uh, Andre Feely, Yara Rodriguez, I'm going to go with Andre Feely, uh, I, li- I like the way the guy fights. Uh, definitely exciting when he's in there, and he is my pick for the opener. Uh, Robert Whittaker, Rafael Sapo Natal. It, it's it's a it's that fight can go either way. Both guys are dangerous, uh, but I like Whittaker, so Whittaker is going to be my pick on this one. Now, Edson Barboza, Anthony Pettis. Uh, you know, Anthony Pettis is a guy who's always always talked about in in contention. Um, obviously a guy that was at the top of the food chain, got dethroned and is trying to get back. Uh, but Barboza's no joke, man. And as much as I want to root for Anthony Pettis in this fight, I got to go with Edson Barbosa. I think Barbosa is just a, an incredibly well-rounded fighter and his striking is out of this world. Uh, last but not least, Demetrius Johnson, Henry Cejudo, uh, Demetrius Johnson, of course, flyweight champion, kicking ass, and taking names, I think that he's going to go out there and dispatch Henry Cejudo in convincing fashion. I think Cejudo going to try and use his wrestling, and Demetrius Johnson is going to pick him up, uh, pick him apart on the striking, and he is going to walk away still champion. Now, last but not least, uh, your light heavyweight interim title fight with John Jones OSP. As much as I like OSP, I think John Jones has dialed it up to another level, trying to redeem himself in the eyes of of the UFC and fight fans. Plus, I think he's just chomping at the bit to get in there with Daniel Cormier. I think he's going to go and he's going to pick apart OSP, uh, be over, you know, be hyper aggressive getting in there and trying to dispatch him in convincing fashion. I think OSP is going to give him a little bit of a challenge, but I think Jon Jones walks away the victor and your new interim light heavyweight champion. But as always with these predictions, fights can go either way. These are my predictions, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is my take on MMA for this week. All right, let's switch gears. Let's jump into some wrestling. Lots to cover, so let's get to it. All right, Monday Night Raw was a little paint-by-numbers to a degree. Uh, There were certain elements of Raw that could have been better, but I got to say that overall, it was a pretty decent show from the U.K., uh, not sure how I feel about Ambrose Asylum and trying to make Ambrose a talk show host. I understand that you're doing this as a vehicle for his feud with Chris Jericho, but eh, not 100% convinced on that. I think that you know you could do something better with Ambrose as a vehicle for him to square off against Chris Jericho. But unfortunately, you take what you can in this situation. I think Ambrose is going to get put over big. By Chris Jericho and continuing to fuel the fire of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens is definitely key. I think that this could be one of the marquee feuds of the summer, but you definitely should not leverage it all on one event. And you definitely should really do this long term. I mean, one of the things that made Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens uh, feuds memorable on the independent circuit was the fact that they did a slow burn over months. Not one pay-per-view and it was over. I really hope that they do not do that this time around. They take advantage of the talents that both of these guys bring to the table and put it across multiple, you know, multiple pay-per-views, multiple TV appearances, because I think there's definitely some long-term potential there. Wow. The Fight Nerd said, uh, breaking news, China is reportedly dead, according to a post on her official Twitter Wow. Um I I appreciate that Fight Nerd. Uh got to definitely look into it. Uh for those of you if you're on social media, check it out. Let me know, Slick, can you do me a favor? Pull that up. Let me know if any other outlets uh TMZ or any others are reporting that cuz that's that's fucking crazy if that's true. Um please let me let me know before the show is up if there's anything from TMZ or any major news outlet, slick Uh, props to the fight nerd for sending that my way. I hope it's not true. I think that uh, Joni Lauer China was trying to get her life together and, you know, trying to kind of dig herself out of the, you know, drug abuse and everything else that she was dealing with. So I really hope that is not the case. Uh, The fight nerd said it hasn't been reported anywhere yet, but this is coming from her management team. Wow. Uh, All right let's let's definitely keep an eye on that story uh it was posted 15 minutes ago according to the fight nerd slick uh please do your due diligence your google foo and let me know if that is legit uh definitely right now you know it's she's you know being reported dead according to the twitter account but we'll see what transpires fight nerd props to you uh thanks that thank you for that information and i do agree with you i hope that we're all we're all wrong in this case but We'll be monitoring that throughout the evening. Anyway, our first match from Monday Night Raw, Chris Jericho, Sami Zayn, solid match. I think there was really, um, really good storytelling there. Not sure how I felt about uh, Chris Jericho coming out the victor, but the match quality was definitely top notch. Uh, Enzo and Big Cass were there doing what they're doing, as usual, stepping it up uh, with epic promo work and they were taking on the dudley boys in the semifinals of the tag team tournament. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh definitely uh, a good match between the dudleys and enzo and big cass. I definitely feel that enzo and big cass need to work a little bit closer uh with their NXT counterparts whether it's the vaud villains or others just because you know they have incredible energy but going in there with bubba ray and devon and doing a pretty paint by numbers match uh Like I said, it was good. I understood what it was going to accomplish, but it definitely was not my favorite match of the evening. As for the Bullet Club, obviously, they made their presence felt throughout the night, and they ended up attacking Roman Reigns uh, shortly after uh, Roman and AJ had an exchange. Uh, Definitely awesome to see the Bullet Club just making their presence felt and teasing an alliance between them and AJ Styles is great storytelling on WWE's part. Not sure if they're going to pull the trigger with that or if they're going to go with Balor being behind the scenes, but either way, taking the Bullet Club and you know shifting the focus to Roman Reigns is a step in the right direction. As I said, it plants the seeds uh, for Roman and the Usos to feud with this brand-new Bullet Club, but if they shift their focus to Dean Ambrose, And maybe Seth Rollins, who knows, we may get a reunion of the Shield to take on the brand new upstarts in the Bullet Club. Uh, Definitely a lot of intrigue uh, going across the board. Uh, We'll see what happens. I mean, payback is going to be very interesting in terms of plot development, whether they opt to go with the Bullet Club aligning with Finn Balor and AJ Styles just being a patsy or this being a complete swerve and them being formed shortly thereafter. Nonetheless, uh, probably one of the more compelling stories thus far taking shape on Raw. Anyway, Fandango and Baron Corbin was exactly what you'd expect, a fucking squash as WWE continues to push Krang on on mainstream TV. I have no problem with it. I understand they're trying to build up uh, Baron Corbin as a monster considering obviously that Big Show Kane and these guys are you know on the last legs of their in-ring careers. I think it's smart booking but you also want to make sure that you allow him to branch off and work with really good wrestlers. Uh, working with Ziggler is good because it helps uh, It helps really validate a lot of his in-ring work and Ziggler is a selling machine but again just because Ziggler can sell the moves doesn't mean you can tell a good story in the ring. But we'll see what the, we'll see how that pans out as we head closer and closer uh, to WWE payback. The New Day and Cesaro took on the League of Nations and The Miz after an exchange during The Miz's talk show. Uh, definitely liked uh, Cesaro as a face working with The New Day, which have officially become faces at this point. Uh, the match itself was solid. Cesaro looked really good in the match. Uh, super exciting. The crowd was into it, and um, I really, I really liked the new day as faces. I think they're going to sell a lot of merch now. They're super over, which is a given. And Cesaro looked good out there, man. Now that he's healthy, uh, hopefully he will, you know, use the IC title as a catapult to bigger and better things. Plus, I think that the Miz's ring work has improved quite a bit and mixing it up with Cesaro is definitely going to make him a better wrestler through and through. We got a women's match, uh, you know, a D or aka a Divas tag match. It was it was good. Um Summer Rae and Tamina just they looked out of place in that match. Obviously Tamina, you guys know my thoughts on her. Obviously she was uh still a byproduct of WWE manufacturing and not NXT manufacturing and Summer Rae I don't understand what happened to Summer Rae, and I say this before. Aside from her looking like a pelican, uh, she was a good wrestler when she was down in NXT at the time, and she came up to WWE, and it just it just fell apart. I don't understand what the deal is um, in regards to that. As for Becky, Sasha, Paige, Naomi, uh, Natalia, and Charlotte, they all look good in their respective you know during their respective points in the match, but I do think that Charlotte. You know, Charlotte and Natalia is the bigger story here. As for Tamina and Summer Rae, if they were smart, they would, and and again, not that it's a demotion, but I would send Tamina down to NXT, mix it up with the women down there, uh, really try and fine-tune her in-ring work, because I think Tamina, as in terms of being just a, a force in the women's division, is incredibly underutilized, but I also feel that she's not being used effectively on the main roster either. And I said this a couple of months back, I would definitely send her down to NXT, mix it up with those ladies down there and, you know, just become a better in-ring performer. She has the look, just her in-ring performance leaves a lot to be desired. Simple as that. The Vaude Villains and the Usos squared off. Obviously, another match in the tag team tournament. Great work, great wrestling from the Vaude Villains defeating the Usos, which was pretty shocking. Uh, the Vaude Villains go on to face Enzo and Big Cass. With the winners uh, facing the New Day at a later date. Again, much like I said at the at the beginning of the segment, I think that you know the Vaude Villains and Enzo and Big Cass are going to give us a really good match because those are guys that have worked together in NXT. They're familiar with each other. And I think that they're going to steal the show when they finally do square off. We got an Apollo Cruz squash match. This time Heath Slater was the victim, obviously with the uh, removal of Adam Rose, which we'll discuss later. uh, The social outcasts are pretty much just fodder for any guy that's on the come up. In this case, Apollo Cruz, who's in a mini feud with those guys. But again, I you know as much as I like the social outcasts in terms of just being filler, there they got a lot of guys there that are talented and underutilized. I mean Curtis Axel is a really good wrestler, uh, super underutilized. Whether it's because of his gimmick or because his mic work isn't that good, he really can be utilized better. Same thing with Heath Slater. Heath Slater, as much as I clown him on a consistent basis, he is he is a solid wrestler. He's a good hand in there. Bo Dallas is just a disaster. And I, I said before, stick him in the Wyatt's with his brother. There's there's better storytelling there. Repackage him and take him the fuck off my TV. Because right now in his, you know, the bow train and all that crap, it's just it's just garbage. It really is. Our main event of the evening, Dean Ambrose, Kevin Owens, which was exactly what you'd expect. Amazing in-ring work from both guys. A little bummed out that Kevin Owens, you know, had to take the pinfall in this match. It didn't end by DQ. But I also feel that they are, you know, really trying to build up Ambrose for his match against Chris Jericho, which, of course, that's how they closed out Raw with Chris Jericho hitting Ambrose with the Codebreaker. So uh, overall, a solid Raw. Again, a lot of advancement, a lot of little things that were teased, Uh, the Bullet Club and the narrative between, you know, the Bullet Club, AJ and Roman Reigns uh, definitely opens up quite a few you know opens up a a lot of storytelling possibilities uh something that we should be keeping an eye on in the coming weeks and we should also be keeping an eye on nxt and what they do with finn balor and if this is all part of the bigger uh you know the bigger picture which is obviously forming the the wwe's version of the bullet club on the main roster obviously it would involve either finn balor making the jump to raw and performing on uh, the main roster and on NXT or dropping the title in NXT and then making the jump to WWE to raw or and or SmackDown. So uh, something that we are going to be watching very closely over the next couple of weeks, because either way it, play, it pans out, uh, you know, more bullet club is definitely not a bad thing. And I think uh, Gallows and Anderson are going to do incredibly well in the WWE. I think they are a big shot in the arm for the tag team division And their addition to the roster is going to make for some very, very interesting television in the coming months. Anyway, let's jump into the other wrestling news of the week. Let's just go to the chats, see what we got in there. Uh, Tamina should be whooping ass in the WWE. She should be 2016 China, according to Slick uh the fight nerd adds Tamina versus Oscar to which uh, Val responded uh Oscar would pwn her and um to the fight nerd's point, I gotta agree that Tamina would be better if she, but she hasn't clicked on the main card. I think that Tamina came out of the original developmental system, and that's one of the reasons why she hasn't clicked so well. You know, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, Charlotte, all those, all those ladies came out of the NXT system, which is a bit more well-rounded. Plus, you got Sarah Del Rey down there working with the ladies. Uh, you know, you got Matt Bloom down there working with them. And I think that that was something that was missing when Tamina was down there. And I think if you send her down there, it's not, it's not bad, you know. I think it would help her out and allow her to be a better performer. Hell, you sent Zach Ryder down there and, you know, he got better to some degree. Plus, he made the NXT product better. So I think Tamina going down there is not necessarily a bad thing. And it would really help her out. Slick adds that they need to axe the axe. To which uh, the Fight Nerd adds, Curtis Axe with 2013, top of the mid card. Curtis Axe with 2016, job squad. (laughs) I, I cannot disagree. And Slick says, look what it did for Emma. And Emma is a great example of what I'm saying with Tamina. Emma's gimmick was completely terrible on the main roster. Send her down to NXT. She reinvented herself. Just started mixing it up with those ladies. Brand new breath of fresh air in the women's division. Like I said, if it worked for Emma, I think it can definitely work for Tamina. That's for sure. Anyway, let's jump into the wrestling news of the week and wrap up the wrestling segment and the show for this week. So obviously, we already know that WWE is partnered with Tap Out. They actually own a portion of the company And as a result of that relationship, WWE has made some changes to their dress code. As many of you know, when WWE wrestlers are now in, you know, at events or on television, they are usually asked to dress in a business casual dress code. We see this both in public events. We see this backstage. We see this in interviews, but now they're actually expanding that to where wrestlers can also wear tap-out brand athletic apparel. Of course, this is obviously a way for them to get tap-out in front of the masses. Plus, I feel that it's a great way to allow the wrestlers to be comfortable, which obviously is important. I think that, you know, much like the UFC did with the Reebok deal, WWE is doing it with the tap-out deal in the sense that these guys, they're very physical, they're in the ring already, and they should be comfortable. I mean, if you're out there on the road... And, and, you know, they have an athletic apparel brand. I mean, it's a great way to get some marketing out there. And I'm not shocked that this is a new story only because it was inevitable. That's for sure. But as of right now, according to what, what, you know, came out of the wrestling observer, they're saying that the WWE dress code is both business casual and tap out branded athletic apparel. So there you have it. Like I said, not a big shock. Obviously, WWE trying to leverage uh, their relationship and the tap out brand to reach a broader audience. And by having their superstars wear that apparel in, you know, various public, you know, public outings, they can allow that uh, to be seen by a bigger audience outside of obviously um, commercials and the usual I mean, it's a it's a good way to, to get marketing out there without spending any money. Obviously, these guys are like they recently were doing some workout events and some fitness events, and I saw the wrestlers involved wearing tap out apparel and it was fine. You know, it looked good. And again, it's something that doesn't come as a shocker to me. That's for sure. We got some new updates with regards to the global cruiserweight series. I know that they're currently working on qualifying matches both at Evolve and Progress Wrestling. Um Evolve is going to be doing some qualifying matches during their event at Evolve 61. Uh Drew Gulak and Tracy Williams is going to be a qualifying match, and TJ Perkins and Fred Yehai are going to be qualifying matches for the Evolve event. Uh, Progress is also going to be having their qualifying matches uh, April twenty fourth, and it's going to be Zach Saber Junior taking on Flash Morgan Webster and Jack Gallagher taking on Pete Dunn. Uh, excuse me, Pete Dunn. Excuse me. Uh, the winners of those matches will go on to join these participants, which is going to be a thirty two man card, uh, including Rich Swan, Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Noam Dar, Akira Tozawa. Uh, ho ho lun and Lynch dorado again uh, the cruiserweight series is starting to really take shape and it's going to be 32 talents uh, from across the world with it, some of them obviously coming out of evolve and progress wrestling plus nxt talent as well again the global cruiserweight series will be taking place this summer and i think it is going to be an event that cannot be missed that's for sure as I mentioned earlier in the segment, there were two suspensions announced by WWE, one being Adam Rose and the other being Connor from the Ascension. Uh WWE published it on their site and they said in accordance with its talent wellness program, WWE has suspended Raymond Lapan, Adam Rose, and Ryan Parmetter, uh Connor, for sixty days effective immediately for a second violation of the company's policy. Now a lot of people were saying, "How the fuck is that? How did the how did these guys have their second violation, and we did not know about it?" Well, Adam Rose and Connor were suspended, and Connor's first violation, for those of you that aren't aware, occurred in 2006. This was before WWE announced that all violations would be made public. At the time, Connor was working in Deep South Wrestling, which was uh, part of WWE at the time. And Adam Rose was suspended in 2013, but again, that never made it public because Adam Rose was still in developmental at that time. But yes, this is the second strike for both individuals, and that is why they are being suspended 60 days. Adam Rose did take to Twitter to comment on it, and I'd like to share his statement so for you guys that were curious as to what he was suspended for. In any case, uh, Adam Rose said the following, and I quote, I was not going to respond to my suspension, but I feel I have to. I have two sons that will one day read that news about their daddy and a sister that died from complications relating to a life, to a lifelong battle with heroin. So I feel the absolute need and right to respond and let the truth be known. I'm pretty sure this response will meet nowhere near the publicity that my suspension did and that this response is tantamount to career suicide. But I feel that for my sons, my sister and the rest of my family, you, the WWE universe have the right to know the truth over my suspension and what it was for. I will also quote my doctor in my response as he was as shocked and appalled by the suspension. I can say right now, I did not do anything knowingly wrong and was taking prescribed medication that my doctor and I follow and that my doctor and I followed all the correct protocols. My actual response and doctor's responses will be coming soon. So before you judge know the facts, my family and I are still collecting ourselves from this blow. I have zero anger or animosity towards the WWE, but feel the administrators over the WWE wellness policy were just simply not ta- not right in taking this action but I feel facts are facts and my family and I will be the ones putting our lives back together after this mess. My response will be up soon along with my doctors. So there you have it. It was interesting when I heard about the suspensions, um, you know, obviously you look at Adam Rose, he's incredibly lean and in shape. Uh, You know, when I read about the suspensions, I said, maybe it was for weed but considering that now you have doctors getting involved, it may have been for something a lot more serious. Uh, We're definitely going to be monitoring this story. I'm curious to see what Adam Rose's statement is, along with the statement of his doctor. As for Connor, no other statement was made aside from him being suspended, so whatever he's being suspended for is probably warranted. But in Adam Rose's case, like I said, after seeing his... um, you know, the spotlight that they had on the on the uh, WWE special, the E60 special. I'm curious to see what exactly is going on. And um, I'm curious to see what what his doctors have to say. So, again, keep it locked to our social media channels and Rageworks.net for any additional developments on this story. Slick said, uh... FYI, according to the fight nerd, China's death has been confirmed officially by TMZ. Um, slick ads, probably unfortunately true, but TMZ is not the most reliable source. But I got to say, uh, TMZ, when it comes to celebrity deaths, is usually usually on point. That's not something that they take lightly, obviously, because they can be sued. So, I, you know, it pains me to say that it looks like, like China, you know, Joni Lauer has passed away. Uh, We're definitely going to continue to dig into this story after we wrap up tonight's show and you know, I will try and uh, you know, dig a little deeper, but it looks like TMZ and China's social media channel have acknowledged her passing. Uh, It's going to be interesting, much like what slick said. If WWE is going to acknowledge it on Monday again, uh, we're going to see more about the story as it develops, but right now it looks like TMZ and China's social media account uh, on Twitter a, are acknowledging her passing. if so, uh, you know, my condolences to her friends and family. Simple as that. Ah, and her management team did confirm it. Thank you uh props to the fight nerd for that. Two last bits two last bits of wrestling news before we wrap things up for the wrestling segment this evening. Uh, WWE.com has confirmed that the Bellas will be getting their own spin-off show aptly titled Total Bellas. Uh, this is going to run for six one-hour episodes, and will follow obviously Brie and Nikki Bella plus their respective uh, their respective other halves, John Cena and Daniel Bryan. Uh, this particular uh, series will focus on you know Nikki Bella post neck surgery, along with her recovery and the interesting dynamic that will be occurring with Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella moving in with John Cena and Nikki Bella while Nikki recovers from surgery. Uh, The Bellas will remain part of Total Divas, and um, the sixth season for that show will include Bree, Nikki, Eva Marie, Naomi, Natalia, Paige, Lana, Renee Young, and Maurice. So there you have it. Not only are we getting Total Bellas, but we are also getting Total Divas with some new cast members as well. All right, so... As of tonight's show, even though SmackDown was taped, I am going to give you guys the WWE payback card so far. There may be some spoilers here. So if you are a person that wants to watch SmackDown Live, you can fast forward through this next bit of audio beforehand. Uh, John Laurinaitis is in the promo pick uh, Fight Nerd because John Laurinaitis is married to Bree and Nikki Bella's mother. So um, for those of you that were curious as to why John Laurinaitis, AKA Johnny Ace has popped up on some of the, uh, the press it's because Johnny Ace is married to Brie and Nikki's mother. That is why you are seeing John Laurinaitis all over the promos for total Bellas. So there you have it. Uh, Very interesting. That's for sure. With Johnny Ace married to Brie and Nikki's mother, uh, Brie, of course, with Daniel Bryan, and Nikki with John Cena. It is going to make for some very, very interesting TV, that's for sure. Anyway, so thus far, the matches for WWE Payback are as follows. Uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, which we already know. Chris Jericho and Dean Ambrose, which we already know from Monday. Colin Cassidy, Enzo Amore will be taking on the Vaude Villains. Uh, the women's title will be on the line with Charlotte With Ric Flair in her her corner taking on Natalia, with Bret Hart in her corner. The IC title will be defended as The Miz takes on Cesaro. And last but not least, Roman Reigns and AJ Styles. I'm sure that we are probably going to get something with uh, Carl Anderson and um, Doc Gallows taking on The Usos. I have a feeling that we're probably going to see that at Payback and... um, you know, we probably get may get one or two more matches added to that card as well over the coming weeks. But right now, those are the matches for Payback. In any case, uh, that last bit of wrestling news is going to wrap up the wrestling segment. Uh, really bummed out about the China story, if true. Uh, really, really terrible news uh, that, uh, you know, it pains me to talk about on air, but... It, you know she was she was going through a lot, and you know during her last appearance on ONA, you know she was talking about the stuff with X Pac. X Pac called in, and it was you know it was a very it was heartbreaking hearing some of the stuff that she was talking about and some of the stuff that she endured. But um, you know it's it's unfortunate that's for sure. In any case, like I said, keep it locked to our social media accounts as we find out more about this story. In any case, I've given you guys. My take on professional wrestling for episode three fifty of MTR, and of course, I've given you my take on MMA as well. I'd love to hear yours. Feel free to reach out via social media at my take radio at rage underscoreworks on Twitter. You can also email me with any questions, concerns, or if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode of My Take Radio by emailing host at MyTakeradio.com or Rich at Rageworks.net. Last but not least archive episodes of this show will be available for audio and podcast format on iTunes, Stitcher and TuneIn Radio and on video on official Rageworks on YouTube. We may actually be moving towards Vimeo for some of our stuff going forward, obviously, just because of the shit that we had to deal with with YouTube. But in any case, keep it locked to Rageworks for any developments in that area. Last but not least. As always, you can find Rageworks on Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest, Google Plus, and any of the other social media outlets. Of course, links for all that can be seen in our show notes and on Rageworks.net. If you want to interact with me and the rest of the Rageworks and MTR team, you can also join the Rageworks group on Facebook, which is open to the public. Feel free to join, participate, chat with myself, the rest of the staff, and the listeners and readers as well. All right, guys want to thank you guys for all your support for 350 episodes of my take radio. I'm going to take a break, but even though I will not be doing episodes of MTR, I will be around uh, providing and creating content for you guys via other mediums. Please continue to support our other shows. Black is the new black, the regular season sports cast. Call me when it's over and the buried show. My take radio will probably be back in June. Obviously keep it locked to our social media accounts. Uh, for further developments on our return. Again, thank you guys for 350 episodes of awesomeness. I am honored and privileged to give you guys as much of myself and as much entertainment as possible. All right, guys, I'm out of here. I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. Thanks for your support. Peace.